Well, if you have a copy of the Scripture, I want to invite you to join me in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're continuing in the study of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, as we're going through this series and through this study, what we have transitioned to once we arrived at chapter 6 is that Jesus begins to really articulate what real faith is all about, what real faith uh, looks like, and that this real faith would be revealed and even shaped by some spiritual disciplines that we can enact and that we can use within our life. And so a couple of weeks ago, beginning in chapter 6, he started with uh, the spiritual discipline of giving and how if we would uh, abide by that discipline and we would do it appropriately, it's for our good, it's for God's glory, but it's also something of which that it, it demonstrates that since God is generous, that we would be generous. And then last week, we looked at the second spiritual discipline that Jesus hits on, which was prayer. And we specifically saw last week that proper prayer depends upon a proper view of God. And, and I shared with you last week that I believe that our view of God really determines everything. The way that we view God, the way that we understand God is going to shape our perspective, our conduct, our behavior, everything. And so this morning, what we're going to see is this third spiritual discipline that has so much to do with if we want to have a proper view of God or a proper understanding of God, then we need moments of where we are very intentional that I want to get a better glimpse, a better view, or a better understanding of just who He is and, and, and what God has to say, and that we would gain that from Scripture. And so we're about to dive into this third spiritual discipline that's probably, I would imagine, the most neglected within the life of the church. So look with me, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. It says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Pray with me. Father, Father, I'm asking that this morning as we take the time to, to, to take a look at your word, that we would have uh, ears to hear and, Father, a mind to, to understand what it is that you're presenting to us uh, here at this, at this time. I, I realize, Lord, that for all of us, that there are things going on in our lives that we are bringing into this place. And, Father, I'm asking that we would, just for the next few moments, be able to be as, as focused on you. And if there is something that is uh, a pressure or an anxiety that we would lay that at your feet. And Father, because we want to hear, we want to be uh, moved and encouraged by you. Help us to get a glimpse of you here this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in, in my household, in the Reed household, one of the things that I thoroughly enjoy, as I imagine many of you do, is an opportunity to, together with my family, my family is, is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and whenever we have an opportunity to, to travel and to be able to be with them, one of my favorite things that we get to experience is, say, for example, a Thanksgiving meal. You get to gather around that table and enjoy, you could enjoy turkey, I prefer ham, but you could have ham and some dressing and just enjoy this feast that is presented before you. And, and I'm not going to lie, I enjoy the food aspect. I, I appreciate what those who have prepared the food have done and the time that they have taken to, to make such a, such a wonderful meal. But especially over the last several years, basically probably since I left the house, I might be able to see my family maybe one time a year, and it's generally around the, the holidays. And so 
there's something that is nice about the technology that we have of whether it's on the phone or texting or even on FaceTime to be able to see one another, to be able to talk to one another. But one of my favorite joys that we have is that when we get there, normally when we have just like a casual meal, there's this little breakfast nook that will sit around that table and that's where we'll eat. But when we have kind of that festival meal of Thanksgiving or Christmas, we go into the dining room with the dining table and we bring in an extra table, we bring in extra chairs, and we have everybody just seated around that table. And I, I love the food, I enjoy the food, but the thing that stands out to me the most is that when we're done eating, we continue just to sit around that table. We'll, 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 we'll bring out the coffee, We'll bring out the pie, we'll bring out the ice cream, and we'll just continue to sit in order to be able just to enjoy because I haven't seen your face in, in probably a year. And now I can see you eye to eye in person and we can just enjoy one another's presence. So I love the food, but, but it has so much more to do than just with the food of, of feasting on that. It has to do with the people and the relationships of being able to engage. Look at this issue of fasting we want the whole issue of fasting to be completely wrapped up with the issue of food. Food is definitely involved. The physical is certainly involved. It's, it's not absent from this issue and from this discipline. But the thing that we get to do more than anything else is that when we fast from food, we're choosing to feast with God. When we fast from food, we're choosing that we get to have a time to feast with God. But if we're not careful, we tend to go to extremes with this. John Wesley says this. He says, Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly just disregarded it. So my question to you is, which extreme are you? Because we tend to go to extremes when it comes to this spiritual discipline especially. We either completely go beyond all scripture and reason of where years ago people would use fasting as a means to kind of punish themselves because they were wayward from God, as if to teach themselves some kind, of, some kind of lesson. Or over the last basically 100 years or so, from like the middle of the 1800s to the like 1960s, one man found that there wasn't really any literature that had been published on the issue of fasting for such a long period of time, because there was almost this reaction to how the church had been engaging with fasting that let's just almost ignore it all together. And so it became a discipline that was just kind of absent from within the teaching or within the life of the church. So which are you? And, and, and as, as we see this morning, one of the things that I want you to kind of think about is that when we fast, it, it hopefully reveals something to you, which is your ultimate need. We need food, but there's someone we need even more. I need God and him alone in order to have the satisfactory life and e eternal life. And as we kind of go through our time, you'll, you'll notice every week we have pen and paper in the front and the back. You may have your phone today or a, a scrap piece of pen and paper. And what I want you to think about is this, is to kind of fill in this blank. Fast from blank to feast with God. Fast from blank in order to feast with God. I can't fill in your blank for you. <laughs> how, by the end of our time, and you're going to have opportunity for this, how would you fill in that blank in your life personally? I'm going to choose to fast from this in order that I would feast with the Lord. Now, as you see, look at the scripture. Look at verse 16. Jesus does what he's done for the last two spiritual disciplines of both giving and prayer. 
He says in verse 16, he says, whenever you fast. Verse 17, but when you fast. Both times, it's just as he's done before. There's an assumption. Jesus assumes that every man, every woman with real faith is going to fast, that this would be a discipline that you would have. So as I asked you last week, Jesus assumes you pray, and I asked, do you pray? If he assumes that you fast, my question is, have you ever fasted before? Have you ever done that discipline? And perhaps my hope is that what you can have here this morning, because I've had people even recently ask me about this issue and this discipline is, I've never really heard it discussed within the life of the church, haven't really heard it even from the pulpit uh, to be taught on or to preached on. My hope is that today that you will gain um, perhaps some fasting 101, that you'll get an idea of exactly why would you do something like this uh, and how would you actually do it? Because some of you, I remember I was at that point when I was young of, I, I, I didn't know about fasting and it was just like, what do I do? and How does it work? And so I'm hoping that we'll have a chance to look at that today as well. The other thing I want you to see is in verse 16 is that real fasting is not for others. Now, you could take that to a point that I'm not wanting it to be, which is that no one can be aware that you're ever fasting. That we're going to see that there are public fasts that would happen within the nation of Israel, even in church history of where groups come together. They all know that we're fasting. It, it, that's not the issue. Again, Jesus is getting to the heart of the issue, is that what he's saying in verse 16 Whenever you fast, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. They have the reward for full in full. And he goes on and says, anoint your head and wash your face. He's like, don't, don't make the point of fasting about you. Don't draw attention to yourself of, woe is me, I'm suffering. Because if you do that, all you've just stupidly done is avoid yourself of, of food. And you're just going through something that's difficult and uncomfortable. It, it's, it's that person that's akin to wanting to draw attention to themselves of just wanting to share with you all of their ailments. You know who that person is, that person that you visited with. They always want to tell you, this is hurt, that's hurt, this is hurt. And it's like, is there anything in your life that's going on well right now? Um, and you just kind of want to know. He's saying, continue to live your life. Don't bring attention to yourself. Comb your hair, take a shower, stop saying, man, I'm so hungry. And someone asks why. Well, I'm so glad you asked. I'm, I'm quite pious and religious. I'm fasting right now. Thank you for asking. It's, it's not the point of it. Don't draw attention to yourself. Now, again, the extreme of this could be that you could read this, become legalistic, and say, I shall fast. No one shall know. You can do that. But I think there is wisdom, especially for those of you and you have a roommate or if you have a husband, wife, children, you might let them know. Uh, I'm not eating. <laughs> Don't be alarmed. Uh, I still like your cooking. I still enjoy this and that, but, but I'm choosing to do this. It's communicating with people. But again, it's in order not to draw attention to yourself, but to communicate what it is that you're doing. And you're going to notice for a meal or a day or a few days that I'm not participating in this for a specific reason. And, and, and I want you to be aware of that because, well, we live under the same roof and I don't want you to wonder if something's wrong or if I'm sick or whatever it may be. There is uh, importance of, I think, communicating to one another. He goes on, and look in verse 18. Real fasting is, again, choosing to feast with God. I'm going to share that many times. It's choosing to feast with God. He says, so that your fasting, verse 18, will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Uh, years ago, 
I can remember uh, it was 2008. Tiffany and I had been at the church in Oklahoma for uh, almost uh, a year at this point, and we had only been married maybe two years, just a little over two years in, in, in that, at that time, and we were coming up on Easter. And as I've pastored, I've discovered that my favorite holiday is no longer Christmas, though I enjoy it, uh, but my favorite holiday to celebrate is Easter. And one of the things that I enjoyed is we began to kind of look at Scripture and we saw that there are all these festivals that God would have the nation of Israel observe. God isn't anti-party. He's actually setting up all kinds of parties in the Old Testament scripture of celebrate. At the same time that you would fast and discipline yourself, man, we're going to have some sacrifices, and then we're going to have a barbecue. We're going to celebrate what it is, and we're going to remember. And so it's good for us to have those moments of where we do feast and, and, and so Tiffany and I, we were coming up to that first Easter season at, at the church, and Easter is one of my favorite seasons, but it's also one of the busiest seasons in, in the life of the church. And so we had a lot of different things going on. We had a Good Friday service. We did Tenebrae service. I hope to do that with you guys. It, 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 we, we did all kinds of different things, building up towards that weekend and beyond. And Tiffany and I realized uh, we, we haven't had the opportunity to really just engage because it's been so busy and doing so much different stuff that when we celebrate Easter, we don't have evening service. We, we dismissed evening service so people could be with their families and, and just go and travel. So when we're done with that, that morning worship Easter service, we're going to come in and we're going we're gonna to grill some steaks and we're going to have some salad. And we coined it Easter Feast. You can take it. You can adopt it into your family. It is the most wonderful feast of all. It, it, and so for us, it was fun. You know, two young, uh, young people, young in our marriage, and we just, we, we're, we're grilling it up. We're, we're, we're eating the salad. We're eating the potatoes. We're having some rolls. We're having some dessert. And again, the food was fine, but it was just a wonderful time to be like, man, let's celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. Let's focus on him. But also, man, I haven't talked to you as much as I normally do over the last few weeks because life has been full and it's been kind of distracting for good reason. But I want to I get this relationship uh, where it needs to be. How are you? How are you doing? We need those moments where we choose to set apart that time that would be a little different, a little sacred in order to do something with intentionality. And I think that's everything that has to do with fasting that we're choosing to do something where we're abstaining uh, from, from food with a spiritual goal in mind. It's that I want to pursue the God of heaven. I want to I hear from him. I want to go to someone who is supernatural and powerful so that I could hear him in my life and what he has to say. Has there ever become one of those moments where you're so desperate for God? Who are you and, and what are you saying? What are you trying to communicate with me? I, I've gone to every resource that I know possible. Uh, I've gone to my friends. I've gone to your scripture. I've gone here. I've gone there. I need to hear from you, God. I'm desperate. And what we see throughout scripture is that when, when the nation of Israel, when the church and throughout church history, when we became truly desperate of God, I need a word, people would pray and fast. So often they were, they were connected. And before we begin to think that Prayer and fasting is this way in which that we are like rubbing the lamp in order for the genie to do what we want, and we've manipulated him. Uh, we, we saw last week that that's not what prayer is about. We, that's not what fasting is about. But prayer and fasting, when we enact these disciplines, put you in a position to where you are prepared and ready to hear and to receive from the Lord because you are sensitive to what it is that he has to say. Uh, listen to this from Old Testament, Second Chronicles. King Jehoshaphat of the nation of Israel, he says, Jehoshaphat was afraid 
turned his attention to seek the Lord. Again, getting that view, that understanding of God. He turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Verse 12, it says, O our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. They chose to fix their gaze and their understanding of who God is through prayer and through fasting. If you go throughout Scripture, there's a who's who of those who fasted. Moses, the great lawgiver. David, the great king. Nehemiah, the one who helped rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. The entire Jewish people in the book of Esther, as Esther led this charge of, we're about to be obliterated, annihilated as a people. Let's pray and let's fast. Anna, in, in, in the gospel account of the birth of Jesus, the church at Antioch, the sending of Saul or Paul and Barnabas on their first mission journey, it included prayer and it included fasting. Now, before we kind of go into more of like the primary reason, I want to go through some uh, of kind of the 101s of fasting. And my hope is that this is it's a little bit more of a teaching time, but this is something that you would take notes on because, again, I've had several say, how does this work and what does this actually look like? So let's just discuss, kind of break it down for just a moment, different types of fasting. First of all, there's private fasting. Private fasting is just what it sounds like. It's, it's just you choosing to fast and spend that time with the Lord. What it's not is you're not on a hunger strike and it's not a diet. I've known of people who are like, I'm going to fast for a while and I'll lose some weight. This will be nice. I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy this. That's not the point. That's not the purpose. It's not about the physical. It's more about the spiritual. We see throughout Scripture, as you read through, there are some general fasts that would take place. A general fast was generally referred to, I'm going to abstain from food, whether it's solid or a liquid, but not from water. That's what a general fast would be in Scripture. I'm going to abstain from food for a certain amount of time, but I'm not going to refrain from water. There's also a partial fast. Some of you may recall that the partial fast of, in Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel, it says, ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, he said. It's that you're abstaining from not all food, but particular things in your life in order to focus on the Lord. There's also the absolute fast, which is no food and no water. Generally, this was more of a desperate fast where the nation or the church is just desperate of, Lord, we're going to abstain from everything. Again, an example of that is in the book of Esther, when the people of Israel are about to be annihilated, literally just wiped out, genocide from the face of the earth because an edict from the king is going to go out. And Esther sends out her own edict to the Jewish people through her uncle Mordecai and says, Tell everyone to pray and fast for the next three days. No food or water, an absolute fast. There was also a supernatural fast, where for 40 days, no food, no water. We see this with Moses and with Elijah and with Christ. No food, no water. Now, we know that, medically speaking, that we can go longer than you think without food. It's supernatural to go without water for a certain amount of time, especially for 40 days. So that's a supernatural fast. Those at times can be a little bit more private. Some of those are public, but there are public or corporate fasts. Again, I come back to Esther, the Day of Atonement in the book of Leviticus. And then even in the book of Zechariah, there are what are known as regular fasts, of where at each festival that was being celebrated there in the book of Zechariah, they also coordinated that with, uh, uh, with a fast. 
And so it's interesting. We're going to feast on a, a, a meal. We're going to celebrate and have this huge thing of where we have this big barbecue and we praise God and we worship God. But often leading up to it, they would fast. They would refrain. They would abstain from food for a specific purpose and because God had, had, had commanded it. Now, some other things about fasting, kind of fasting 101. Some of you might go, well, what does it look like? How long am I supposed to do this? Uh, what, 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 what would I even do? and what, what should I expect to experience during this? Well, you can fast for just a meal, and you, some people will even do that regularly. I, I've known of, of, of men in, in my life, a, a friend's mind, who would say, you know, the, the, every Monday I'm, I'm going to fast that lunch meal because I'm wanting to choose to spend that time with the Lord or, or pray specifically for uh, my family, and I kind of have a list that I do. So instead of having that meal at lunch on Monday, I'm going to have a regular fast on a weekly basis of I'm being intentional about praying for this. There are other fasts where you might fast not just for a meal, but you might fast for a day. A lot of people who do this, they'll fast probably from uh, uh, lunch to lunch, and so they'll, they'll really miss two meals as opposed to, to, to three the next one kind of up that's kind of normal is maybe a fast for three days. Then you might be able to fast for a week. And so the question that I had whenever I first went through fasting was, okay, I feel led to do this. What's going to happen to my body? <laughs> like, what am I going to experience? What's this going to be like? And so a little bit of information on that. On days one through three, those are generally the most difficult days of when you fast. And maybe that's why we don't do it very often, because we miss one meal. And we're like, I'm going to die. Like, Jesus, please help me. I need food. I need sustenance. Like, you don't understand. I'm hangry. I got a headache. And on and on it goes. And yet we've become accustomed in our country of, if you don't have three meals a day, something's wrong with you. And it's like, really? Okay. Uh, so one to three days, most difficult days. That's where you have your hunger pains. That's when your body begins to rid itself of toxins. You're very uncomfortable. You'll actually get a coating on your tongue, and your breath is going to be nasty. So get some mints, and then you're going to also have headaches, especially if you're a coffee drinker or a caffeine drinker. So days one through three, pretty uncomfortable. But as you're uncomfortable, you're being reminded, this is why I'm uncomfortable. I'm choosing to do so for a bigger purpose than even my stomach. And so by day four, the hunger pains actually begin to subside. There's maybe some weakness, some dizziness. You got to be careful of sudden changes of like position, like standing up. You move a little bit slower, need a little bit more rest. Then days six to seven, you begin to feel a little bit stronger, a little bit more alert. By days nine to 10, the hunger pains are actually minor irritations. The bulk of your toxins have been eliminated. And most say around days nine or 10, the most enjoyable days of fasting. As you kind of go beyond that, it kind of continues in that, that way, in that fashion. But this is what I would share with you. There's also the physical realities of fasting from food. If you're an individual who has health issues, you're a diabetic, you're pregnant, you have heart issues, this is something where I always share with anyone who's like, should I fast? What, what, what should I do? It, especially if you have some medical issues that you would visit with your doctor. Because it's not uncommon now for there to even be a lot of uh, study out there that shows fasting in general is, does have health benefits. Now, that's not why we're doing it, but it does have benefits. But if you're not medically able to, it's something that you need to seek advice on to see if this is something that I can do. Now, before you fast, some of you, you might think the best idea is I'm going to bulk up. I'm going to get as many carbs. I'm going to eat as much food as I can. And I'm just going to have this huge meal. Bad idea. Don't stock up. 
especially abstain from coffee or from tea or caffeine about three or four days before your fast, so that while you have headaches, you're at least eating food before you dive into your fast. And then your last meal, again, don't have a big old juicy steak, don't have a lot of acid. You want to eat something that's more like fresh fruit and vegetables, because that's going to help you with your digestive system during your fast. During the fast, when you're done, Sometimes what we do, especially if you had a longer fast, if you had to fast for a meal, kind of continue as normal. You just missed a meal. If you fasted for a day, I would say continue as normal. But if you go about three days or beyond, be careful about your first meal back. Don't go, man, I've been waiting so long. I'm going to go out to eat. I'm going to treat myself. Have some fruit, have some vegetables, maybe have some juice, just kind of ease your way back into getting your stomach accustomed to, to food again. And for me, the, the physical aspects of fasting are intriguing, but again, we don't want to forget the major work of what's going on within the realm of the spiritual. The, the, the resource that I received from years ago when I first decided to ever fast was a guy by the name of Richard Foster. He has a book called A Celebration of Discipline. It's a wonderful resource that not just only deals with fasting, but lots of other disciplines that we as Christians have. And he says this about fasting. Fasting must forever center on God. It must be God-initiated, God-ordained. In Zechariah's day, God even questioned the people of why they were doing. He says in Zechariah 7, When you fasted, did you at all fast unto me, even to me? Like, were you just going through the motions? Or were you hoping to trick me or to manipulate me? John Wesley specifically says, First, let fasting be done unto the Lord with our eyes singly fixed on Him. Let our attention herein be this and this alone, to glorify our Father which is in heaven. We want to fast from food to feast with God. That's the primary. But here's the beauty of what we get to experience kind of secondarily as a result of fasting and feasting with the Lord. First thing is this. I'm going to rattle through these. Fasting reveals the things that control us. Fasting will reveal the things that control you. We have a tendency to cover up what's inside us with, with food or even other good things but when we fast from food or we fast from, say, technology, things begin to rise to the surface. We begin to have an understanding of like, oh, I didn't know that that was a thing in my life. David wrote in Psalm 69.10, I humbled my soul with fasting. For example, if pride is an issue for you, which is funny, I don't ever hear anybody say I struggle with pride, but yet I think that might be one of the things we struggle with the most. If pride controls you, it's almost immediately revealed when you begin to fast. If there's anger or bitterness or jealousy or fear within your life, they'll rise to the surface. And this is what we'll do. At first, we'll rationalize our anger that's rising to the surface because I'm hungry. But then what you begin to realize is, no, perhaps I have a spirit of anger that resides within me. And this is the beauty of fasting, is that when you do, and that issue within your life does rise to the surface of something that is controlling you, then you can see it. Oftentimes, we've got our head in the sand of like, I don't struggle with pride. I don't struggle with anger. I'm not a jealous person. And then when you choose to abstain from something to feast with the Lord, God begins to reveal to you. And it's once you see, it's then that you can confess. And it's then that it can be handed over. It was the same for you, for those of you who have placed your faith in Christ. It wasn't that you just all of a sudden were like, you woke up one day and said, Jesus loves me. This I know. I want to give my life to him. It was because the gospel was preached to you and it was revealed to you 
in a moment where you were sensitive to the words of the Lord of, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I'm a sinner. How dare you? Oh, I am kind of a sinner. I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. And once the spotlight was revealed to you of your sin, then, then you're able to respond to that with repentance and with confession. But it's not until we're in the proper position to receive that word, to be sensitive to what the Lord has to say, that it begins to be revealed to us. We need to see ourselves as God reveals that to us, and fasting allows that to take place. It, it reveals the things that control us. Next thing is this. Fasting increases our sense of humility and dependence upon the Lord. Your hunger or your physical weakness because you're choosing to fast and you're hungry and you're physically weak, it reminds you of how you're not really strong in and of yourself. You have to have something, an outside source, to give you strength, food. When you fast and you realize, man, I really need food, hopefully what it moves you to is, I do, but what I really need is a different outside source, which is a person, to fill me up. That's what I need in order to live this life appropriately. I need the Spirit of the Lord. Second, or the third thing, fasting allows us to give more attention to prayer. And this is one of my favorite parts of fasting. Generally speaking, I'm taking about 30 minutes to an hour to probably have a meal. Because normally, especially if I'm at work and they give me a 30-minute lunch break or one-hour lunch break, I'm going to take that whole time. I don't know about you. I'm not going to clock in early and get back on the, get, get back on the computer. I'm going to take that whole time. And it's like, what if, instead of preparing a sandwich in the kitchen, or driving down the street to go get that burger, that you're saying, I could spend this 30 minutes preparing the food, getting the food, eating the food. Or I have 30 minutes now of what am I going to do? I'm fasting. Feast with the Lord. Spend that time with him. You do that three times a day. Let's say you just fast for a day. That's an extra 30 minutes for every meal at minimum. That's an extra hour and a half of time with the Lord that you're like, I never have enough time with the Lord. When you fast, you're incorporating time back into being with the Lord. When you're not eating, you're praying, you're reading, you're feasting with the Lord. The next thing is fasting is a continual reminder that just as we sacrifice some personal comfort to the Lord by not eating, so we must continually sacrifice all of ourselves to him. That's probably a longer one, so write it down fast. Um, or take a picture, that's a great idea. So Fasting is a continual reminder that just as we sacrifice some personal comforts to the Lord by not eating, so we must continually sacrifice all of ourselves to him. In a word, what this is, worship. Worship. Think of Romans 12, of how we would offer ourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord, laying down ourselves. That's what fasting allows us to do. Worship, to engage God intentionally, and I'm choosing to do away with this for a time. Next, fasting is a good exercise in self-discipline because as we refrain from eating food, which we would obviously normally do because we desire it, it strengthens our ability to refrain from sin. We're becoming disciplined. We're not going to yield to that temptation because I know that I can resist the temptation of, of, of hunger because I'm choosing to fast. If we train ourselves to accept the small sufferings of fasting willingly, we will be better able to accept the suffering for the sake, get this, the sake of righteousness. I'm going to read to you two scriptures out of Hebrews and out of Peter. Hebrews chapter 5, listen to what it says, speaking of Jesus. Although he was a son, he, Jesus, learned obedience from the things which he suffered. First Peter chapter 4, 
It says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. I've heard people say, I I don't need to do this. I can spend time with God in different ways. I'm I'm close enough to God, which is always interesting to me. Do you not want to get closer? I'm close enough to God. This this is about the closest I want to get to him. I don't want that relationship to deepen uh, anymore. What's eating not going to prove is another excuse that I've heard or, or reason of why, or people will say it's not healthy. What, what I found is this, is that people who are drawn to something or, or even addicted to something, maybe it's the extreme version, a pill or, or, or a bottle or, or a screen or a really unhealthy relationship, and people will say, I can quit that anytime. My, my question is, or my statement is, okay, prove it. I can quit that anytime. It has no hold on me. Even good things can take a hold of us that can distract us from the Lord, even food. We just saw, it's interesting, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer last week said, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We're not neglecting our physical selves and our need because we need food to survive, but I need you more. It's interesting, it goes from that into fasting. (laughs) Give us this day our daily bread and when you fast both of which we need in our lives. Fasting also will heighten your spiritual and mental alertness and a sense of God's presence as we focus less on the material things of this world, such as food. When you're freed from, I got to eat, I got to prepare. Think about this. How much time do you spend on your own? And I'll give you an example. Tiffany and I, one of of our least favorite conversations is this. What do you want to eat? (laughs) what do you want to eat tonight? What should we eat? I don't know. I'd eat this. I don't want that. I eat that. I don't want that. Imagine doing away with that entire conversation, praise the Lord, and then being able to spend that time that you can just focus and say, I'm not even going to be concerned about the preparation of a meal because this is what I'm doing because I'm choosing to, to feast with the Lord. Last thing, fasting expresses earnestness and urgency in our prayers. If we continue to fast, this is basic science, I suppose, you would die, obviously. Therefore, in a symbolic way, fasting says to God that we are prepared to lay down our lives, that a situation be changed, as opposed to it continuing. In this sense, fasting is especially appropriate with the spiritual state of the church when it is low. Maybe when your own spiritual state is low, You've gotten involved in things that you thought I would never get involved in. And that the church is so wayward from God. You're like, we, we got to get desperate and, and we got we to we have an earnestness and, and an urgency by which we need to get right with the Lord. The prophet Joel says in Joel chapter 2, he says, Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Don't do something on the outside where they rend their garments and just like, oh, woe is me, and now I'm in burlap, burlap and sackcloth and ashes, and look at how, how, how expressive I am of how broken I am. And it's like, no, 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 rend your hearts. May your hearts be broken and return to me. Very first time that I ever went through a fast was um, when I was 20 years old. I was a student at the University of Oklahoma. Yes. And uh, as I was there, I was really trying to wrestle with 
do I go on this summer mission trip, excuse me, uh, summer mission trip, that was harder than I thought, um, summer mission trip to Russia, and I was just wondering, how am I going to afford it? They, at that time, they wanted $4,000. I was like, I don't have $4,000. I'm literally eating crackers. That's what I'm eating right now. How am I going to get $4,000? And I was just wrestling with this of, should I? How can I? What am I supposed to do? And I began to read scripture, and I was like, there's this thing called fasting. What is it? And I, but I don't want to be manipulative of being like, well, I will do this, therefore God will tell me what to do. And I remember visiting with my oldest brother, Chris, who happens to be here. Chris was, my, other than my parents, my first discipler in my life. And he was the one who said, let's talk about it, but I'm also going to give you a book called Richard Foster's A Celebration of Discipline. And so as he and I discussed on the phone of what fasting is and what fasting is not, and as I began to read through this resource, and I'm not going to lie to you, I don't think he sent it to me. I went to a bookstore called Borders in Oklahoma, and I just borrowed that book in the coffee shop. I didn't pay for it. Again, I was a poor college student. And so I'm just reading through the section on fasting of what it has to, to say. And I was like, you know, I believe God knows the motive of my heart that I want to know his voice and hear what he has to say so that I don't just do something uh, haphazardly. So I think he knows my heart. And, and I, I feel like this is something that if, even if I don't get necessarily my answer, that I need to practice this discipline because I came to this passage of when you fast. And I was like, I've never fasted. And so I chose to do a, do a, do a three-day fast. And for three days, I can just remember being very uncomfortable and very hungry. And I didn't drink coffee at the time, thankfully. And so I, I didn't have the, the headaches, but hunger pains. But what was interesting for me, by the time I got to done with day two and entered into day three, for me, the hunger pains had really subsided. And it was fine. And yeah, my breath smelled bad, but toxins were coming out of me. So I was actually feeling healthier in some ways. So I was experiencing all of these physical things. But the thing that I remember and cherish the most isn't the physical, though I remember it. But what I cherish the most is I can remember, literally, uh, I went on a picnic with God. I, I went to this place called the Duck Pond in Norman, Oklahoma. And I, I, I took my, my, my bag with my Bible and a, and a blanket because it was a pretty day. And I just threw it out there. And I just spent that time that I would have otherwise been eating just with the Lord. Just literally reading his word and praying. And, and what I found was this, Lord, even if I don't get an answer, man, you are good. I echo the words of David, the psalmist in Psalm 34. I have tasted and seen that you are so good. And so I'm just enjoying this time. And every time, especially when I was reading the word and praying and being diligent with that, when I should have been eating a meal, I knew what I was doing was not eating, but I was so focused on God that I wasn't distracted with the hunger pains in those moments. But as I was living my life and going to class, yeah, I was like, man, I'm hungry. I want, I want, a, I want a Snickers bar or whatever it may be. I want these things but I'm choosing to refrain or abstain for a purpose. I want to feast with you, Lord. And the reason why I share that with you is, is again, it's not from this passage of, uh, look at what I did, uh, and so I'm getting a reward from you. It, it, it's hopefully as a teaching tool, because this is what happened. Through that three-day fast, what I experienced and what I knew from the Lord was, step out in faith. You don't know how you're going to get the financing, but I want you to go to Russia. So I went to Russia. It's not until I went to Russia on that mission trip, that I felt God's call in my life to vocational ministry. And it wasn't until I went to Russia and had the call to vocational ministry that I ever considered going to graduate school to going to seminary. 
And if I hadn't gone to seminary, I would have never met Tiffany. And if I hadn't met Tiffany and gone to seminary, I would have never gone to the church in Oklahoma. If I hadn't gone to the church in Oklahoma and pastored that church for over eight years and felt God's leading to plant a church and be a part of something different and unique in, a, of all places, Middle Tennessee, where there are plenty of churches, I would have never been here with you. And what started as a moment of, should I fast, turned into now, 20 years later, here I am. And it wasn't just that one. I fasted with Tiffany when I was trying, or I fasted when I was trying to determine, should I go to seminary? I fasted when it was trying to determine, should we take this position of this church in Oklahoma? Fasted whenever we decided to leave in 2015 from Oklahoma to come to Middle Tennessee. Because I wanted to intentionally choose to to just be sensitive, even if he doesn't tell me what I want to know. I wanted to be sensitive to be prepared. What do you have to say? I want to seek your face. I want to feast with you. And even though sometimes I've fasted before, I did not receive a, quote, word from the Lord. You know what I received? I did receive. I received the goodness of the Lord and his presence. And it gave me perspective that even though I don't have the answers, I have you. You're all that I need. You're it. And so what I'm asking you to do at this point is you might be saying, okay, so what? Well, with your phone or with a scrap piece of paper is, how would you fill out the rest of that statement? I commit to fasting from blank and feasting with God. And what I want to ask you to do is, do we have that, that slide on there? Is could you commit to something like this for this week? And for some of you, you might say, I've never fasted from food. And I feel like the Lord is leading me to do that for a meal, for a day. I don't know. But also because we do see within scripture, generally speaking, yes, fasting is from food. That's, that's what fasting is. But there is examples of scripture and examples throughout church history of where people would fast or abstain from specific things. Like David would not eat specific delicacies. So for some of you, it might be, I can't medically, medically, I probably shouldn't fast because of a health condition. But what is it that you need to fast from? I just came up with a list of a few things that you might not even want to hear me say. I fast from TV. I fast from texting. How am I going to communicate with people? Get on the phone. I'm going to fast from music. But music helps my mood. What if God was the motivation of what helped your mood? I'm going to fast from drink. I'm going to fast from sports. I'm going to fast from coffee. I'm going to fast from a computer. I'm going to fast from screens. I'm going to choose to fast from something that, that is, is willingly my choice because I want, to, I want to spend time and feast with God. What could that look like for you this week? To where maybe even next week, you, we as a group, we show up and there's just a sensitivity and an awareness within us as a group, as a church family of just, I'm eager to hear from the Lord because I have tasted and seen that he's good as I uh, refrain. I mean, imagine for some of you, if you got off social media for the, a day, I'm going to go from you know, Tuesday noon to Wednesday noon because I still need to use social media or my emails or whatever it is for, for work purposes. But I'm going to abstain for, for this time period. And when you would normally kind of grab your phone I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know how often we grab our phones and look at it a day? What could that look like for you? So that's for those of you who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. 
But the last thing I want to ask you is, some of you might be here today, or you're watching online, and you've heard of Jesus, but you're still not quite sure what you want to do with Jesus. You think he's a pretty good guy. He seems to be a historical figure. He seemed to have some pretty good teachings. He seemed to make an impact, but I'm just not sure that I want to give my life to him. And this is what I would challenge you if you're watching online, if you're in this room, and if you've never come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is you probably have consumed a lot of what the world has to offer. You've tasted a lot of the things that the world would say, this will satisfy you. And some things are quite enjoyable, but you wake up the next day and you're still hungry and you're still not satisfied. I would say, would you be willing to say, I'm going to taste and see if the Lord is good. And I believe you will find he is more than satisfying for your soul. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that as we enter into a time to, to respond to this word, a word that we don't often look at. In fact, Father, we're guilty of neglecting as individuals and as a church this discipline of fasting, but you have provided this discipline for us for good purpose. And so, Father, I do pray that this morning that in a moment as we sing, I do pray, Lord, that we would take the time before we rush into our work week and before we rush into uh, our, our, our noonday meal, that, Father, that we could fill in that blank of what it is that you would lead us to refrain from, to abstain from for an amount of time just this week. Father, I, I pray that, that we could experience as a result not going through the motions and not being legalistic, but we get to experience how good you are because we're refraining from, from things that are also probably pretty good. But we want to we wanna just spend some extra time with you. We want to be sensitive to your, to your voice. And Father, for, for others, I would ask that if they're watching online or if they're in this room this morning, that they have never, they've never come face to face with their sin They've never seen who they are before you, that they would see this morning that without Christ in their life, that they're lost and they're separated from a holy God. And that's scary, but that's revealing and it's telling. I pray that people would see who they are before the Lord and that they are able to respond and have their life forever changed if they would come give their life to Christ. And some, Father, I would imagine here in the room or online, they might not even know exactly how that would work. I pray that they would reach out to us if they're online. And if you're in the room, Father, I pray that they would visit with me or others in the life of the church or a friend and begin to ask their questions of what it is to have forgiveness of sin, to be satisfied by the Lord. And so, Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys would, would you stand? And, and as you do, and, and as you sing, some of you, as I've said before, the last thing that you need to do is sing. The best thing that you can do as, as they sing is fill out on your phone or on a piece of paper what it is this week that you will abstain from, refrain from, fast from. Because I don't know about you, but life can get busy and life can get hard. I think we could all use a little bit more Jesus a little bit more time with the Lord. What does that look like for you?